George is already making a face looking at today's topic. I'm looking at one of the things in one of these sections for tips for hiring well. Your tips for hiring well are exactly my tips for hiring well. <laughs> well, did you read the part where I said, it's okay if we have the same tips? Because I think that will say something. So stop reading mine so you can come up with your own. <laughs> but they're the same. <laughs> and they didn't come from our mom. Like, this is interesting. We've talked about hiring before, and I think we think very much alike not because of how we grew up or where we grew up, it's some other way that it got us to thinking the same way about hiring. Never really thought about why that is, but we are. I know. This is one of the reasons that I thought us doing this podcast would be so interesting is that when you and I do talk about leaderships, we've never worked together, worked in the same company, not really even in the same industry, yeah. except kind of adjacent maybe for a brief period of time. And when I was doing tech stuff, but we really do align on leadership approach. So I find that to be kind of fascinating. Fascinating. Let's kick this off with, hopefully people already know what the topic is today since we just started talking about it, but we are talking <laughs> about hiring today. How to do your best hiring, your best job at hiring. Welcome to The Belief Shift, the show that explores what you really need to know about building a successful small business. I'm your host, Camille Rapaz, small business coach and consultant who spent too much of her career working in corporate business performance. And I'm George Trapeau, your co-host and her brother. I'm a leader in the tech world, bringing my corporate perspective, but mostly my curiosity. Together, we're exploring beliefs about success and how to achieve it, but mostly we're bringing practical solutions so you and your business can thrive. Here's my intro question for you, George. Okay. Can you recall, you can answer either one of these questions, either your worst experience as a candidate for hire yeah. in a hiring process or your biggest hiring fail as the hiring manager. Yes. Like just a big mistake. Yeah, big I fail. definitely remember most or all of my hiring mistakes going back to when I was hiring grad students at Stanford when I used to work there. And that's the late 80s, early 90s. I remember... One of my worst hiring mistakes was from them. Yeah, I remember. And as a candidate, sure. Although I will say as a candidate, I'm going to distinguish here. Some people might think of this failure as a bad experience in interviewing, and I do not. If I come prepared for an interview and I don't win the job, but I feel like I did reasonably well, it doesn't really matter to me if I fail. I don't like losing, but I don't feel bad about myself if somebody else got the job or they decided not to go for, with me for some other reason. That's different to me than if I not prepared or I just blundered somehow. What about the flip of this? Like you've been the candidate and their process was horrible. You were like, I don't even think I want this job because this experience yeah. is so bad. Yeah, absolutely. That's happened. I can think about a story about how this happened recently to my wife where she got recruited and actually offered a job and they bungled the process the whole way through. And she almost took it because the job itself was so juicy, but they just, oh, it was horrible. And I have been on the receiving end of bad hiring practice. I'm sensitive to it now. So sometimes when I'm in an interview, if I feel like they're not doing a good job of asking me questions, I've only done this a couple of times. I might prompt them. Like, would you like to hear about such and such? <laughs> you're not getting any real information from me or okay. I'll orient my story to try to give them information that I know that they're trying to ask for, but they're not. You are bringing up such a good reason for us to have this conversation today, because we do not want any of our small business owners who are listening to be that guy, 
to no. need the person being interviewed to help us in the process, right? We want to be on top of it. We also don't want to be that company that maybe finds this great candidate who really loves us, but we're so bad at the hiring process that they're doubting whether they should come work for us. Oh, absolutely. We're it. Like that's a yeah. horrible experience. We want neither one of those things to happen. Not to mention just the mistake of, I'm just not well organized in this process. So I'm not clear on what I want. Like we're going to get into this, but just being able to yeah. do the best job that you can and getting the best candidate you can and getting them on board. That's what we want to do for, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it can go wrong in so many ways. So let's get into this and help people avoid these disasters that could potentially okay. happen so they can really optimize this hiring process because it's so essential to running a business, right? You got to have the right people on the team. I personally think when you do it right, it's one of the best, most rewarding parts of running a business, like having yeah. a great team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And but when it goes wrong, whew, it can go really wrong. It just can create so much anxiety and stress and in ways that are set aside just the it's hindering progress in the business. It can also just be really personally stressful when you have a bad hire because there's this interpersonal thing I have to deal with now. And that's always stressful, right? I have to deal with conflict and nobody wants to do that. So no, we want to avoid me. that. Yeah. Especially you. Especially most of us. I think you're, you're pretty working. good at conflict. Nobody <laughs> likes it though. You and I have both heard over and over and over and over and over again, hiring is the most important thing you will do. And I mostly agree with it. And it's hiring mistakes are the worst mistakes you'll make. I personally slightly disagree with that. I think legal exposure, legal problems are the worst mistakes you can make. If you have actually exposed yourself to legal action, though that's bad news. But hiring is a very close second. You could still do things to correct hiring mistakes. Legal problems are, oh. It's easier to fix hiring mistakes than legal mistakes. Yeah. I would agree with that. I also think that we are more likely to make hiring mistakes than legal mistakes. Like those yeah. are going to show up more often. That's what we're doing more frequently. We are not legal experts, so I have no advice for you on that side of the fence, but we are hiring experts, so we can speak to that. Okay. I do want to be clear about something though, because some people out there might be thinking, look, I don't want to grow my business and hire a big team and do all of that kind of stuff. And you know what? You don't have to. You do not have to hire a team of people in order to run a high performance business. However, I would say that however simple you want to keep things, you want to remain a solopreneur, you don't want to have a big team, all of that. I'm totally here for that. But you should still consider hiring part-time support in the form of a virtual assistant or a bookkeeper so that you can stay focused on those revenue generating activities as much as possible while also staying sane and not trying to do every single aspect of running a business by yourself. So even if that's you, those hires count too. So we are speaking to that level of hire as well, not just the grandiose hiring a big team, but this speaks to even just the, I just need a few hours of help a week. It's critical that that's right too, right? Because if you get the yeah. wrong person, you've only got a few hours a week you're trying to get the benefit from, and it becomes really critical when that doesn't go well. Right. So regardless of how big or small you want your team or non-team to be, <laughs> I think this applies for all business owners. So let's Total talk about how we're going to get the best results. We're going to do this in three parts. So first, we're going to talk about biggest mistakes, because that's kind of the fun part to talk about. <laughs> then we're going to talk about our top tips. And these are just yours and mine from years of, I don't know, how many people do you think you've hired over your lifetime? I've sourced 
hundreds or thousands of resumes, I've hired, I don't know, fewer than 100 people, more than 50. Wow. Someone, I'm yeah, guessing, I don't know. Yeah. How about you? I was trying to think about this too. And I'm thinking, gosh, not as much as you, but probably, <laughs> yeah, you've been at this longer <laughs> and you didn't quit your day job yet. I don't know. I was thinking like 50, but you know, looked at hundreds of, you look at so many resumes when you do that, like vetting the resume. Yeah. So interviewing people definitely in the hundred over a hundred, whether it was actually me as a hiring manager or helping another hiring manager. Yes. So that's also what we do. Right. So interviewing people, tons of experience doing that, probably hired 50 people and had to fire a handful. Yeah. Which is also not fun. That could maybe no. even be another pod. What do you do when you find you have to let somebody go? I think that that's a good one. A lot of okay, people get that wrong. Okay. I know. Not today. <clears throat> not today. Today, we're just going to talk about getting the right people on board. So we'll do okay. the biggest mistakes, our top tips for hiring. And then also, how do you know if you've hired the right people? Uh, like once they're on board, awesome. what are our indicators for that? So here we go. Okay. So biggest mistakes in hiring. I first want to hear your top three. And then okay. I'll share some of mine and we'll also, I think it'll be fun to see back to what we were saying before, like where we have the same, where we overlap on this. Okay. It'd be kind of fun. So what are your top three mistakes that you think people make when they're hiring? Mistake number one, not having a clear, consistent process up front. So for example, being clear with the whole interview team, what you're looking for, assigning roles to the interview team and having each person have the same role for everybody. So you're doing apples to apples comparison, not being consistent is problem number one in my mind. And that's very yep. easy to correct. Problem number two, nepotism. I mean, well, uh, so I shouldn't say nepotism, not just hiring family, but somebody on your team says, oh man, I got a great candidate. I work with them, blah, blah, blah. They're a really good person. And you trust your team member. And so you just take in that person without really fully vetting them. Yeah. Um, that's another big problem that I still have to remind myself, don't let that happen. No matter how much I trust the person who's recommending me still do your own verification. Those are two of the, two of them. And then I guess the third one would be that I see that I don't really make this mistake, <laughs> but I see that it may happen a long time. People hiring or vetting only for the functional skills, like in my field, hiring for technical stuff. How well can you write code and not vetting for the non-functional skills, fit, cultural fit, personality, the other attributes that are non-functional. I guess those would be my top three. How about you? I like it. Yes. So my top three, we do have some considerable overlap and maybe just also really? nuance in how we talk about it. I know, imagine <laughs> that. My number one was not considering the cultural or attitude fit. Oh yeah. So just being skills only, like you said, just only looking at, can they technically do the job, but not looking at, do they actually fit with the way that we do work here? So yeah. do they prefer to work independently, but my team is highly collaborative or vice versa, just yeah. things like that. I think that's number one is just not paying enough attention to the approach and the way of working. I usually just sum that up as cultural fit, but it means lots of stuff. Yeah. My second one was ignoring your gut. Huh. Every hiring mistake I ever made, I could point to, you know what? I did have doubts and I couldn't pinpoint exactly why. And so I went for it anyways, either because the rest of my team thought it was good or they just looked so good on paper or for whatever reason, I overrode my own gut instinct to not hire them. And I hired yeah. them anyhow. 
Yeah. And this is something that when you have hired a lot, your gut instinct gets better. So this is something that if you're interviewing, the more that you do it, the more you start to get a really good gut feel for good candidates. And when you ignore that, it's to your detriment. Absolutely. And then my last one was your comment about nepotism. I call it hiring friendlies. Yes. So hiring the friendlies without doing the same level of vetting as your unknown candidates, whether it's a referral, a friend, a family member, these might seem like they're shortcuts to finding good candidates, but they really aren't. You're the only one who knows what you need in a candidate to do this job and to fit in with your team, like what you're actually looking for. And again, some of that might be hard for you to articulate, but can only Mm -hmm. be like understood in conversation with somebody. And from that gut feel of like, yeah, this is going to be a good fit. This is going to feel right. Nobody can know that from outside. And when we assume that that's going to all be fine when we hire friends and family, that can also go badly because there's different agreements that you have when you're friends with somebody. There's a way of being together that's different than how you need to be. We've talked about this before. Your company, it's not a family. Like this is a business arrangement. And some people can do that separation really well. And some people, it completely blows up in their face. So you have to be really careful about that. Makes sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I really liked your number one, that clear process. That's a big one too. We're going to talk about that more on our next part of this, which is the top tips for hiring. Let's get into that. What are your top three tips? My top three tips are, most of them could be put in the process category, but have a clear, consistent process that you use for your hiring. But I have I actually have a hiring book. I have a hiring book that has a guidebook that I go through to help me think about what are the attributes I want for a new hire. And then I teach the interview team what we're going to do if it's new people to the interview team. Otherwise, we all know the process, but get everybody on board with the standard process. That's probably the first thing. Second is trust, but verify like old Ronald Reagan. This really helps. Really? We're going to reference Ronald Reagan on our podcast? You you know, give credit where credit's due. (laughs) I mean, that did stop nuclear warhead proliferation. If it worked for that, it can work for this too. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a positive attitude when you're interviewing, but you still need the data. You know, you still need the data. And so, yeah, uh, look, I'll take your word for it. That's a great candidate. And we're going to put them through the standard vetting process. That'll be great. And we'll, we'll know for sure. We'll all know what you see. And then I guess my third one would be, do what I can to make sure I'm going to give you three A and three B. Make sure that the candidates we're hiring, especially the finalists, are getting the information they need through the interview process, not just what we're getting, what we need about the candidates. So I want them to come into this well-informed. I want them to make a good decision about whether they want to join the team if we make them an offer or not. I don't want to just be one way asking, asking, asking. We don't reveal anything. That's not helpful. It's a relationship. That's three A, making sure the candidate is getting the info they need about the job. And 3B, we've briefly touched on this in a previous episode. Do what we can to make sure the candidate is able to show herself in her best light during the interview process. I don't want nervous candidates. I want happy, comfortable candidates. We'll throw them off, but I want to see them at their best. They want the best quality information possible. So that's two parts of the same thing, I think. Oh, that's a great one. A lot of times... I will get a comment from somebody who interviewed that says these two things like, wow, I really had a great time interviewing with your team. It was a really, I've never had a process like that before. It was great. And two is, ooh, 
that really hurt, but I liked it. You really got me thinking about things I had not thought about before, or you'd ask me questions that I've not heard in an interview before, but that was really interesting. <laughs> so they come through being beaten and they're happy to have been beaten by the interview team. <laughs> Well, I think it's a difference in just the way that you're coming into the conversation. This sort of connects back to when we were talking about the importance of really making genuine human connections in business. And I think that this is one of these core critical places, right? You're making a connection yeah. with somebody and you're not thinking of, I'm just going to put them, I'm going to torture them and put them on the hot seat. You're approaching it as like, I want to get the best out of them, which is a yes. completely different approach to, you might do some of the same things in challenging them, but how you approach that matters and how they're able to then show up. Yeah. And I think if you just come at it as, you know, we've said this before, if you just come at this as I'm just here to just make them as uncomfortable as possible to see if they can handle the pressure. That just makes me think, well, if your business is constantly operating in that mode, then I guess that makes sense. But then also what's wrong with your business? Like it should not be operating in that mode. (laughs) Yeah. You should be trying to develop an environment that does come more from a place of positive challenge. There is such a thing as I think this positive stress, like I'm stressed out, but in a good way, like mm-hmm. I have just the right amount of tension going on, but it's for good reasons. And I'm motivated to go do stuff. That's the kind of stress and challenge and problem statements you want to be working through. I'm going to put a visual in the audience's mind. Everybody, do you think that dog sled huskies are stressed when they're pulling that sled? They're not stressed. They're barking and they're running. They're working really hard. They're very happy doing it. We want to be dog sled huskies, right? But they're working really hard. Working really hard for miles and miles and miles. Yeah. I hope those dogs are happy. They sure look happy. They're happy. I thought you were going to reference then the dog that's sliding down the hill in the snow on his side and then kicking his little legs <laughs> to keep going down the, oh my gosh, that's the best video. People probably seen that video before, but it's the best. All right. Okay. So I'm going to cheat because this is sort of the big like bulk of this conversation. I'm going to have more than top three tips. I'm glad you gave your top three because they definitely feed into my longer list. My list is your list that you're going to show. It's the same. (laughs) I'm just going to expand on it. Okay. But my number one is your number one. So this is great. Have a clear process. Like, Why is it number one for you? Because I think we just, I, I think that having a process for things is highly undervalued in general, in the world, we just want to wing it all the time. Like, I'm just going to put this out there and do this thing and whatever. And we just constantly underestimate the value of thinking about a process to get a specific outcome. Again, process over outcomes as well. Yes. This touches on so many belief shifts, right? Yeah. It's so important to have a thoughtful process because especially in hiring, this is not a one-time thing. You will have to repeat it. Even when you hire the best candidate, someday they're going to move on and you will have to repeat that process. Yeah. Designing a process is the first step to being able to improve on a process. If I haven't Hmm. stated how it should go to get a specific outcome, then I can't go back later and go, well, I didn't get the outcome I wanted. I wonder what I should change in my process. Yeah. Maybe I should add X type of interview into my process. There's so many things that you can do to make it better, but you can't if you didn't actually say, this is what I plan to do. Plus, you're going to involve other people and you need to be able to tell them what to expect, whether it's people who are doing interviewing with you or the candidates. So many reasons to have a process. So yes, got to do it. I think so too. And it's 
surprisingly easy to do this part. You can make a process that's as thorough as you want or as lightweight as you want. Either way, it works as long as you're clear each time. It, it really, it's true. It's true. Yes. I think that a lot of people don't have a process because, and I know this, this feeling when, ah, someone just quit. I got to hire somebody. I got to get a backfill. How am I going to make time to do this? I'm, yeah, I'm running, and I don't that. have time. You do have a little bit of time to define the process and it won't take long and it's going to save you a lot of time immediately. Of all the things you should not do quickly in your business, this is at the top of the list. Do not do yeah. this fast. You yeah. can quick fix and then come back and adjust later on lots of things in your business. But this one, if you quick fix it and it's not a good choice long-term, it's really painful to deal with. It really is. So it's worth taking the time to do it. So yeah. So I want to be clear that the process for me starts with my number two on this list, which is you must define the role clearly. That job description has got to be spot on and small business owners are at risk of kitchen sinking this, which means... <laughs> These are all the things I want somebody to do. And they just pile all of that work into a job description huh. without thinking about like, is this actually the job of one human or is this two different roles? Yeah. So you really need to define what work do I want them to do? Define it really clearly. And when you're small, you are trying to be lots of people wearing lots of hats. You can't afford to hire in the way that a bigger business can, where there's much more distinct roles going on because you have enough work to cover that. A small business is, I need to hire somebody who can do, you know, some bookkeeping and some social media marketing and some, you know, managing my emails. And you're coming up with this whole list of stuff, right? You yes. need to be really careful that that actually is something one person can have the level of experience and expertise in to actually do. And you're not yeah, setting absolutely. them up for failure. Also, you yeah. might just end up with just Joe Schmo saying like, sure, I can do all those things and they have no experience. And then you're <laughs> really in a tight spot, right? Yeah. So be really clear about the work and then be really discerning about if this is just one role or maybe I need just two part-time people or two lesser time people. Maybe you thought I want mm. one person to work half time and do all these things, but maybe it actually makes more sense that it's two. So you've got to define that work clearly. If you want somebody who has expertise in accounting that you don't have, Hire that person to do that. Don't also ask them to then do your social media marketing on the side. <laughs> That's my tip. Yeah. I do want to be clear. Like if you're hiring a virtual assistant who you want to kind of be a catch-all for lots of admin stuff, you should be asking them to do work that you know how to do and can train them to do. So yeah. I'm talking about like, I want an accountant to do a level of accounting that's maybe above what I'm good at as a small business owner. That's an area of expertise above me. So I should specifically hire somebody with those skills. Or I can hire an assistant to just do the day-to-day -day stuff that I'm already doing, and I'm going to teach them how to do that. Then you can start yes. to blur the boundaries. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. That's a great point. And it's a tricky okay. spot, especially for small business owners. So I just want to call out this taking the time to really define the job description, I think, is a critical step. Yeah, me too. My number three is something we've already talked about, which is that make sure you're interviewing for fit and potential and not just skills. Yes. Consider what skills you can teach them versus what you want them to bring to the table, right? I want somebody who is better, smarter about social media marketing than I am, or I want yeah. somebody who is better and smarter at accounting and bookkeeping than I am. Yeah. If that's what you want, know that you want that, but also make sure that you're not just hiring for that and you are hiring for, and then will they also be able to work well? Like if, are we a close knit team? 
Is it just me and them? Do I want them to be highly collaborative? Do I want them to be independent? How do they approach problem solving? All these kinds of things become really important to make sure that you've got the right person. I have an example for me, something I go to from time to time. So between the two of us, you're much better planner. I can't do it. I can be a good planner when I need to be, when that role is needed of me, but it's not where I go naturally. It's not my core. And so sometimes I'll look for somebody who's a natural planner. I will hire somebody who's better at it. They like doing it. And that is great. Great to have that kind of capability on the team, somebody with a natural drive to do that. I mean, there are other things like that that I look for all the time as well, but that's one. Another thing I like to think about in this space is think about if clients met this person, would it make them more confident in working with your company? Yeah. Oh, awesome. I always like to think in that way. When you can think the same way with vendors, if you're working with vendors a lot, is mm -hmm. this somebody that my vendors are going to enjoy working with? So thinking yeah. outside of just you, but this little ecosystem of your business. Yeah, man, that's awesome. All right. Number four, don't just talk, do. Give do them something to do. Some of my best hiring experiences, both as a candidate and as a hiring manager is when I got to do some sort of activity that really demonstrated my skills. So for me in project management, it was help them build a project plan in real time to show them how mm -hmm. I approach that, right? You can give them some simple skill to do or a problem to solve or anything that's relevant to the actual job they do that helps them actually demonstrate their skills and expertise. And when you do this, it's really important back to what you talked about earlier, make sure you give them a heads up. Don't surprise them with this in the interview. Like, by the way, we're now going to ask you to get up to the whiteboard and whiteboard something out. Make sure they know yeah. coming in that that's part of the process, what you're going to ask them to do. I've even had interviews where I've said, hey, I'm giving you the problem or the challenge or the activity to do. Come in prepared with it done to present. That's great. Give them something to do so they can really yeah. show off their skills in a way. And this varies. This actually applies more to the higher level skills that they have. But especially if you're hiring somebody who's going to demonstrate expertise in an area you're not as good at, no. it's a great way to see like, oh, are they good at talking about this in a way that I can understand what they're doing, even though I'm not an expert? Yeah, that's awesome. Tech does this a lot too. You look in tech right now, you can look up standard Google interview questions, standard Facebook interview questions, standard Microsoft interview questions. All the big folks tend to have these standard processes and you could look up the kinds of programming tasks they're going to ask you to do in the interview or tech questions. You're right. We do a lot of that in my field. It's great. What I really like is you're giving the candidate the heads up and giving them the opportunity to show their best self. There's, you're right. There's no reason to surprise them with that. Right. There's no need. Yes. There's no reason to surprise them and give them a chance to gather their thoughts. It's not going to be surprise work when they're doing it in yeah. real life yeah. in the job, like you're laying out what they're going to do. So if you're thinking, you know, maybe the skills that you're going to hire for aren't high enough to do this, I challenge you to think differently. Even if you're just hiring somebody who you want to just sort of admin, manage your email and, you know, those kinds of things, you can still set them up with like, Hey, I've got, let's say XYZ happens in the day. How would you handle that? Show me what you would do. You can see if they're actually proficient in using Word or Outlook or any of the things that you need them to be proficient in. You can still yeah. test these very basic skills. So I think giving yeah. people a chance to do your best candidates will shine when that moment comes up. It's a great yeah. way to weed them out. Or if they're just saying they know how to do stuff, but they don't, it'll be really clear. Yeah. Awesome. What All right. Next? Number five involve other people in the process. 
And even if you don't have a team, so if you're a solopreneur and you're like, I don't have anybody else, find somebody else. I've mm. had other business owners talk to clients of mine just mm. to get someone else's perspective. As a yeah. hiring manager, I've had other hiring managers. There's always somebody you can find to just, and they don't have to do a formal asking about skill sets interview. They could just have a 20 minute conversation to just see what they learn about them. Just get somebody else's perspective. It's really yeah. helpful. Interesting. This is one where, you know, working in enterprise land, I've got a team, I've got a bunch of people I can always call on an interview and really thought about it from a solopreneur's perspective. Completely agree with you. Get somebody. It's not as easy and obvious a thing to do. I think as a small business owner, like, well, who mm -hmm. am I really going to ask? What if it's the first person I'm hiring on my team? It can be a little bit challenging to think about how to do it. But you might have to get a little creative, but it really is helpful. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a lot of time, 20 minutes of somebody that you trust that has good insight about people to just have a conversation with them and get to know them and give you their input about them. I can't tell you how many times somebody has said, I had this one little red flag in the conversation though. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't get that at all. All right. I'm going to add another interview on and see if I can flush that out. Sometimes it means something and sometimes it's, it's nothing, but it gives you some other layer of what to ask questions about. And pursue. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number six. Okay. Check those referrals and don't just do it as a formality. Like really check. Referrals are tough because the referral is going to be somebody that that person has chosen to be their referral. So of course they're going to say nice things, but when you do have those discussions, you can definitely get a feel. What you're trying to do is get a feel for whether this person is genuinely over the moon about that person, the way they're talking mm -hmm. about or whether there's any hesitation. And so you do want to ask them some tough questions, right? So don't just be like, hey, do you think this person is good? Why do you like them? That sounds great. Thank you very much. It's not that kind. You want to really dig in and ask some good questions about, have you ever experienced them have a really tough day at work or depending on what their relationship is, right? But try to see what they have to say about where this person has maybe had some challenges or some difficulties. If this person doesn't know any of that, that's a little bit of a red flag for me. Like, oh, this referral is very like cursory. They don't really know this person that well because yeah. everybody's had a bad day. How do you approach the referral process? Similarly, and I think about it actually on both sides. I have guidance for both telling people how to check referrals and for interview candidates who are picking who they're going to use referrals. And I want to talk about oh, both of those if that's yes, okay. Yes, I like this. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, checking referrals, similarly for you, I have a standard set of questions I don't need more than five minutes personally to do that. And I'll tell the person up front, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm in this role. This person listed you as a referral. That's a script for this mm -hmm. role. When you're calling somebody for a referral, you're calling them as a stranger at random. So you really got to give them the context up front. Like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I know, okay, you're, you're that person. I was told I was going to be a referral. I didn't know it was you, <laughs> but right. fine. And I'll start out by saying, tell me how you know Jane Doe. What, how long have you known this person in, in what, what was the nature of your relationship? You find out about that and say, well, you know, we really like the person in the interview. What do you have to say about this person? You can tell me anything you want, just positive. They'll usually talk about glowing things and they'll say, okay, great. From what you know of the candidate, is there anything you think you would want them to learn or grow or change? Something you think we should think of growing them when we hire them on? I mean, I put that you know, that's a, a positive spin on a weaknesses question, maybe just to give 
the referral a comfort level that, hey, we're going to bring them on. It's all good. Don't worry about that. But look, look, I got to work on something. What would you want us to help them with? So pretty much those are the only questions, but I do ask the same questions and I try to make the, I don't take the referral person's time very much. Five minutes is a lot of time for that kind of task, I think. And I'm not asking them trick questions, easy questions to get them to talk. I'll stop there because the other side is is different. How do you do it? How do you think about it? Yeah, very much the same. Like I think of it as it should be a quick conversation, but not so cursory that I don't actually get some insight into this person. Like I shouldn't just ask dummy questions that are basically just saying, well, yep, this person does actually know them and they like them. So yay. You know what I mean? Like there has to be just a little bit more to that conversation, but it should be quick. You're not interviewing them, right? No. So you have to go a little bit beyond the, it's just the formality of, yeah, I checked that they gave me real people that they've worked with before. I want to hear about your flip side of it. So when I tell people to give me references, when I'm giving guidance to people about collecting references, here's how I think about it. You, if you're lucky enough, get two to three references, one personal, the other one's professional, depending on the job. Sometimes they'll all be professional references, but if it's if it's some of each, then be clear when you're asking somebody, hey, will you be a reference for me? First of all, tell them, I want you to be a personal reference. You're going to be called to ask about my character, not about how I do on the job, just about how I am as a person. Be clear about that or professional reference. And then you're telling the people who are agreeing to be a reference for you several things. You can tell them, here's the role I'm going for. You can expect a call from this person with this title. You're giving the references much advantage as possible. And you're saying, here's where I'm using you as a reference. You can say whatever you want, but the reason I thought of you is because you know about this aspect of my performance. I think you can uniquely speak well to my planning capability or my customer service attitude. That's what I think you know about me well. Can you do that? And if there's like, like I, no, you got me wrong. I don't know that about you. Just make sure you're clear with them why you're using that person as a reference, because that's what you want them to talk about during the referral. You don't want the referral to just kind of say general platitudes at random. The more specific they can be, the more powerful a reference they are. That's it. Oh, I love this. This relates to my last number seven on my list of what to do, which is communicate, set people up for success. And that includes this, don't just say, hey, give me some referrals, right? Yeah. Ask for a specific, I want one personal and one business or or all business or whatever it is that you specifically want. Make sure you're clear about that because you want to get the best information you can get. And this person is still getting to know you. This candidate is still trying to figure out what you're really looking for, but you're the only one that knows. So the more clear you can be about that, the better chance this person has of being able to deliver on that genuinely, as opposed to they just got lucky and made a good guess. Yeah. as to what you wanted. You don't want that. And sometimes I see candidates get set up for that all the time, where it's just like, well, maybe they magically gave the right answer, but they didn't really know where you were going. I've I've seen like when I've had interview teams, some interview teams that went in a direction, I was like, but do you think that candidate was really clear what you wanted from them? <laughs> and it turns out they didn't set them up well, right? I could see yeah. like, well, I think we should give them another chance. Like I would have been confused by that. You know, I would have been confused by the type of answer you were looking for. You were asking them to read your mind. And I don't think that that's a fair thing to do. And I think that happens a lot in interviews. Like, well, if they can get this right, 
which is basically like, if they get lucky and can read my mind and guess exactly what answer I'm looking for, then they're the right candidate, which is really stupid. Yeah, absolutely. So communicate about what you want in the process, communicate about how the process is going, communicate about the next, every interaction with that candidate should include, here's what you can expect next. And then follow yeah. through again, back to why you have a process. You yeah. can point to the next step in the process is I have X discussion with my team and we will get, you will hear from us in a week, give them timelines. There's nothing. Yeah. I mean, the most frustrating I think I think as a candidate is to just be left hanging. Like, I don't know when I'm going to hear from them again. And even if you can't meet your timeline of, I said, I would get back to them in a week, at least respond in a week and say, sorry, I don't have an answer yet. We got a little delayed. It'll be another week. Communicate something. Yeah. Be kind to the other person on the other side of this. This isn't Absolutely. an adversarial relationship, right? No. And I think oftentimes we approach it that way. Or like, because I'm the hiring person, I can just do whatever I want and they're at my mercy. And that's just Ugh. so unkind and miserable. Just don't do it. Over-communicate to those candidates. Actually, right now with US unemployment at around the 3% level, you cannot afford to be rude to candidates. Everybody has options today. Everybody. Yeah. And even if not, even if that wasn't the marketplace, your best candidates that you want, they always have options. Yeah, that's so true. So if you're not responding well, and this turns out to be somebody you actually really want to hire, they have other interviews happening. And if you're not willing to respond, this other offer, which maybe they don't even want as much, but is on top of things and is being respectful and gives them an offer, they might be compelled to say, yes, because you took too long. Or you didn't communicate and tell them what to expect next. Because what happens is as a candidate, you assume, I guess they're not really interested in me because I haven't heard from them. That's the first thing you assume. You have to stay on top of those conversations if you're going to get the best candidates. That's your job. All right. So our last part of this is how do we know? So we've got our people on board, but how do we actually know if we have hired well? So George, what would be your top three indicators that you have in general, that you've hired well? One of them, I'm going to say, I will know this a few months after they've been in the job. So not right away, but a little sure. bit. And I noticed that they know the team, they're part of the team knows them, they've done well in integrating and there's good positive feelings. I mean, that's a fluffy, fuzzy thing, but hey, it's for real. You feel it. If there's no cultural fit, you see that pretty quickly. If there is a cultural fit, you see that pretty quickly. For me, if I've seen them, they seem to be energized about getting up to speed about doing stuff and they're showing initiative on their own. I don't mind if they ask me a bunch of questions, but if they're proactively asking me questions, you can see they're driving their own learning. That's a great indicator for me. I'm going to stop there. Top two. How about like for you? It. Just two. Yeah. So of course we will overlap. So my list looks like this. Similar to one thing you said, I put it as you look forward to working with them. Oh yeah. Yes. Right? You just like yeah. generally will look forward to talking to them and working with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of course. In most cases, they have no, in all cases, I take that back. In all cases, they have some expertise about something that you do not. Mhm. Mm Even a virtual assistant. Yeah. They know how to run the email better than you do. Like they're yeah. better at the technical aspects of that because that's their job as an example. So they have expertise in areas that you do not. You do feel confident handing work off to them. They make you want to be a better leader or boss. Huh, interesting. 
I like that. Yeah. I think of this as like, oh, I see potential in them and I want to coach and develop them more. I want to be a better leader with them. Your business starts operating a little more smoothly because of them. Oh. You can see that the work that they're involved in is like, oh, that's, that's, that's actually going a little better. This is good. Mm. They're improving things, right? Yes. And then any tensions or problems that do come up in the workplace, they're not bringing drama into it. Like they're being handled with minimal drama, minimal, like we can handle because it's going to happen, right? Problems are going to come up. Tensions will arise. Conflict will show up. They don't gin up drama when that happens. At best, they're actually helping to resolve, not avoid, but also calm tensions down. They're that kind of person. I love all of these. Shall we wrap this puppy up? (laughs) Yes. In closing, hiring takes time. And I know it's a little eye rolly, like, do I really have to? Yes, you do. You have to take time to do this well, especially if you're just getting started. It's going to take more time than you think or you want it to. Mm -hmm. But when you slow this process down of any process that you're ever going to slow down on, this one will pay dividends forever if you slow it down and do it well. And the more you do it, the more people you interview, the better you'll get at this. You will get more efficient at it over time. So if the first time you do it, you think, oh my gosh, I hope it doesn't take this long every single time, you will get better at it. You'll get better at vetting resumes. You'll get better at vetting people in that first interview, all that stuff. And you'll get better at making better choices, but you're going to have a bad hire here and there. And you kind of need to, again, that whole idea of we do need to fail in order to improve. It was, like I said, for me, it was always, I ignored my gut. I couldn't pinpoint the thing enough to get me to say no, but just as long as you're learning from those experiences, it'll get better. It'll get easier. And again, just take the time to do it right. The first time around so much better to hire slow and accurately than it is to hire fast and have to keep rehiring because you keep making the mistakes or you just, you know, you get the wrong people on the team and it's really disruptive. It's disruptive to your business. It's disruptive to the team. It's demoral. You know, all the stuff. Everybody's had a bad hire or been in a company with a bad hire. And you've had some experience of this from one angle or another, being part of a team with a bad hire. It's horrible. So you want to avoid it at all costs. So take time to do it well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say that I think anybody can get good at this and you can be almost mistake-proof. If you follow process as well, you can get pretty close to mistake-proof. You can have a high success rate. You can get better at all this stuff. And this is also an opportunity to teach your people how to do it, which itself is a team-building theme. And if they get involved in this process, then they can see the fruits of their labor working on this, which again is better. And there's all kinds of benefits that feed on each other. I agree with you. You're going to make mistakes, but you get pretty close to mistake proof if you pay attention to it. I totally agree with that. And you just made me think of something else that is worth, I think, calling out, which is for some people, for some small businesses that do have like either for seasonality or, you know, where you you always staff up a certain time of the year, or you just have those types of positions that are high turnover, just because that means some businesses just operate that way. If that's your business, you want to design a process that you are constantly running. This should just be standard operating function in your business. You shouldn't do it just when you need to find good candidates. You should always be looking through resumes, running that process, checking people because when somebody quits, you need them fast, right? When you have that high turnover, you need to hire really quickly. So you want that process already going. So build that into your business. If that is you make this part of how your business just operates is we're also constantly have a pipeline of candidates so that we're closer to that hiring decision than having to start from the very beginning when we need it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. That's all our tips on hiring today. Cool. I mean, it's there fun. were plenty more we could have talked about, but in the time, hopefully this was really helpful for people who are trying to either up their game on hiring or just starting to get into hiring a team. And if you have questions about hiring or anything that we talk about on this podcast, you can leave us a voicemail and we will answer those questions on air. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. the really good ones. I mean, we'll answer any question, but <laughs> we will only answer the ones we have expertise about, or I will look it up if I don't know the answer. That's also, awesome. I love doing that. I love it when people ask questions, I have to go research. So ask us questions, leave us a voicemail. Just go to thebeliefshift.com. There's a link to that site in the show notes. You can click there. There's a little widget where you can say, leave a voicemail and leave us your questions about hiring or anything that you might want us to address. Also, Sounds please great. do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Or just share us with people. Maybe you know somebody who's thinking about, you know, working on hiring and they need a few tips and tricks. Tell them, have them talk to us. Yeah. That's all I have. That was fun. Thanks, Camille. You are so welcome. I'm so glad you're still having fun on the pod, George. I am. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll be back in your ears next week. See you.